You guys have your Bible. You can turn to Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 through 27. It's weird being inside, isn't it? Like there's no other ambient noises going on. There's no wind. There's no cars. There's no birds. There's no rain. There's no honking. There's no one trying to get their, find out where they get their COVID test. It's just different being inside. So um, will you guys uh, pray this with me? And then I'm going to read this scripture and then we'll get into it. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation 21, uh, 22 through 27. And I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light... Will the nations walk, and the kings of earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So before we started the sermon series on Revelation, which, by the way, we're rapidly coming to an end to, it feels so fast, because the last sermon series that we did, we spent what I like to call an unhurried amount of time learning how to pray in the Psalms. It was like four and a half years. Praying the Psalms has helped us like pray the rest of Scripture, and it's proven itself time and time again, possibly and most likely, we've been praying these scriptures without even knowing it when we, when we uh, pray the Psalms. There are themes that I keep finding, and if I had been more astute, maybe I would have like recognized them earlier, but uh, that's just the way I work. Um, but Psalm 36.9 prays this, For with you is the fountain of life, in your light do we see. And I, I prayed that this week, and as I prayed it, and we got, I got into this text, I said, this prayer has been answered. Like, Jesus is our light. And this is a beautiful thing that we've, we've prayed this before. And even if we don't remember praying it or, or, or didn't know it at the time, this is a reminder time and time again that as we submit ourselves to God's Holy Spirit, as we submit ourselves to God's Scriptures, and we pray these, the Scriptures that God answers our prayer and we get to see it time and time again. It doesn't, uh, prayer, answered prayers doesn't always happen like we think or, or, or like we plan. But when we line ourselves up with Jesus, our prayers are answered every time. And it's beautiful to see this. And the answers are found in Jesus time and time again. And we've prayed for this picture that we see in Revelation 21 and 22. We pray for it and we can believe and hope that it happens. Because as Christians, we say this, we hate darkness, right? Darkness is where sins lurk. It's metaphorical. It's a beautiful metaphor. We can't see in darkness. We can't find our way. But when a way is illuminated, that is a good thing for us. Amen? When a way is illuminated, we need light. And we need the light of Jesus in our lives, not only now, but forevermore. We need the fountain of life, and we need this fountain of life and the light 
to be Jesus. And this scripture should give us a little hope as, and serve as a reminder. We will live in a reality where Jesus is the fountain of life once and for all. Amen. We will live in a reality that where Jesus is the light for us. And so one of my biggest prayers for us this week is that we just keep walking towards that day. That we keep hoping, that we keep in faith, that we keep moving towards that. As I was preparing and thinking about this section of Scripture, thinking about God's kingdom come, uh, we were, I think it was lunch, and uh, Josiah, out of the blue, asked me, he goes, what do you think heaven will be like, Dad? And it was a really kind of cool conversation that we had around the lunch table, and he had ideas that it was a great city with great gates that were beautiful, and we live in huts, but they're not like, like poor huts, they're good huts with like good like colors and all that stuff. And his version of what he thinks may or may not have included video games and TV. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, you know, they're there. But it was actually really cool to hear what hit for him. It was a good version of a peaceful city. And it was where he'd like to be forever and ever. Or what he thinks that he'd like to be forever and ever. But... When he asked me that, when I think of God's coming kingdom, I don't actually think of a place. It was actually kind of nice to hear Josiah's description because it kind of moved me into like this really peaceful and clean city that was really beautiful. But I don't think of a place. Rather, I think of a feeling. So it's a, a place when I think of God's kingdom come where I'm totally loved. And actually, it, I'm totally at peace. A place where I can see people without my eyes of judgment towards them. And I can be seen uh, without what I perceive as their judgment on me. Where there's, there's no lies, just truth, and there's Jesus. Jesus is the friend that I was always wanted, the friend that's never disappointment, disappointed me. Like, in my feelings, he is not only Jesus as we know him, who was holy and serious, but he's also fun, and he's funny, and he's perfectly accepting of me, who I am. But this is mainly the feeling that I get, the main feeling that I get when I think about this and I give, give way to think about this is peace. A place where I can like finally and totally and eternally belong. I've not uh, always felt that way. In the, but the closest I've come, at least on this earth, is in my relationship with Mo, where I feel like this is where I belong. But there are sights and colors that come along in this feeling that is I can imagine God's kingdom to come. And I wish these were one of those times when I wish I was eloquent enough to be able to put them in words. I'm just not. But knowing that I'm totally accepted and I finally have a place where I belong as I am, that I fit in, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day. And as I was getting ready for this, I also read a quote from Makoto Fujimura, Jim, I've got the, his spelling here for you. He's an artist and a theologian who's written some helpful books. But I found this helpful this week as well. He said, Our ability to dream, to envision the future in which justice reigns, which is a picture of this text here, is one of the great gifts that God gives to us. So let me read that again. Our ability to dream... To envision a future in which justice reigns is one of the great gifts God gives to us. And over and over in the scriptures, Jesus is trying to give us a picture to help us dream. 
He's trying to show us beyond things, to give us hope. And um, not, but not like a, a free-formed hope, like just go and hope. But he gives us a framed hope. He gives us a, a picture of a life spent with him. And, all where, and, then, and then at the end, like all his uh, promises are fulfilled forever and ever. And I pray that we may be a people who have the ability to utilize this gift of dreaming and imagination that Scripture leaves for us. I mean, Scripture can't be read without metaphor. And in order to get into the metaphors, you have to dream a little bit and have a little bit of an imagination. And this dreaming and imagination allows us to build hope. But not only build hope, but exercise hope's muscle and gain its benefits as well. And this is a great gift. It is used until we see Jesus face to face. Until Jesus is our light in our temple, we need to give ourselves over to hoping, give ourselves over to imagination, give ourselves time to think and prepare us for that place to come. And he gives us pictures of this time and time again. He gives us the ability to dream beyond ourselves and to start to think about our hope and our true and enduring life that is in God's kingdom to come. How many of you guys uh, love pictures of places, postcards? I know, Ty, you like, you like postcards, you know, but I love places. And in fact, um, I, I like to have pictures like I like pictures of the Grand Tetons. I like pictures of Devil's Tower, Capitol Reef, particularly um, Temple of the Moon and Temple of the Sun. Mm-hmm. But Zion National Park, I think of a lot of times we have this picture of Logan's Pass, which is in uh, Glacier National Park that I love, but you get the idea. I love pictures. I love having them around. I love having visual reminders of some place that is not my home, <laughs> some place that when I think of it, I think of feelings attached to that place, feelings of peace, feelings of being able to chill out, and just feelings of, of being in a different environment. And scriptures do this for us as well, in a sense. We believe the truth that Jesus has, when we believe the truth that Jesus has revealed to us, um, we believe this over against the realities that we see in our day-to-day world. We believe uh, this truth, but when we open our eyes to this world, what do we see? We see death. We see disease, right? We see greed, whether from an individual or a corporation. We see rising house prices, food prices. We see all this stuff. We see corruption. We see lies. We see all this stuff all the time. We see injustice. But we believe that Jesus defeated death. We believe that Jesus can cure disease. We believe that Jesus can take a greedy person's heart and make them a generous person. We believe that he is bigger than any corruption, whether on a local, uh, a personal or local or even global scale. And we believe that Jesus will strike down all lies once and for all. We believe that there will be a true life, an enduring life that is only found when we find Jesus and when we place Jesus as our temple. Jesus is our light and he is our protection. And so in this, we need this picture found here in Revelation 21 and 22 to help us remind us and to give us room to dream and, and serve as a reminder that 
what we're in right now is not its final form. And if we were to read the Bible straight through, just read it from Genesis, go all the way through to the end of Scriptures, and we get to this part, this section, Revelation 21 and 22, would be really hard to believe. But at the same time, it would also be like, this is what it was building up to the entire time. Here we see some amazing things. There is no temple. That statement in and of itself should cause us, if we think back across the scriptures, this is an unbelievable statement. There is no place where God is to meet with his people. That's what the temple was. In the Old Testament, there was a temple. In the New Testament, he's given us the churches, place in, I don't mean church buildings, I mean church people, where we can come and gather together. One of the reasons why I think it's so important is because you guys remind me of God's goodness, and I hope that I do the same for you and for one another. That this is a, a good thing that we belong, and it's all pointing back to Jesus. We can feel like God has met us in this place. The temple in the Old Testament, though, and even part of the New Testament, was a major focal point. Major focal point. Like, it's hard. If you took the temple out of the Bible, it would be a lot shorter. It would be a much shorter book. And if you took the church and the temple out of the Bible, it it would be a a really kind of easy read. It would be very, very quick because both of these things were supposed to represent God's presence on earth. They both point to the fact that God wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. That not only does he want to be with us, like hang out, he wants to speak to us. He wants to direct us. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to show us his goodness. He wants us to bask in the light of his glory. All of these things are a beautiful thing. And we know that Jesus in the New Testament replaced uh, the place of worship and we can worship without the temple, but the temple and the church are still helpful tools to us this side of God's kingdom come. Um, And so in, in the true, the true and enduring life that this is pointing to in Revelation 21, there's no temple. The Lord God and the Almighty and the Lamb will dwell with us perfectly. And this will last forever, and there will be a ton of benefits to that. But one is that we are aware of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at a heightened level. They are our new reality and our life, and it is a beautiful thing. I don't know what that looks like for you, what that image may conjure up in your heart, but I encourage you to think on this passage and see what it might do to your heart. But it comes, but this comes with gates, but not gates that are shut. Gates that are always, always open. And it's beautiful because the nations are bringing the glory of God into this place. There's no night or darkness and no enemies. This is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful picture. Think of it this way. We pray this over and over and over in the Psalms as well. Like I can't even count how many times. But God is our security and our strength. And it'll be more real in the everlasting kingdom to come. It'll be more true because we'll be able to see it once and for all. Is our, he is truly our security and our strength. And that's what this picture is showing us. These things, uh, these, the, the gates, uh, even though they're there, they're always open. They're not needed to be shut because God's presence with his people is enough to protect us 
from any outsider. It says, nothing unclean will enter it, nor will anyone that, uh, that does what is detestable or false, because only truth will reign forever. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that God wants to be with us ever since he created us. But this sin has separated us from perfect union. And this enemy has come into this world and, and has come to attack us with lies and guilt and shame and tried to steal from us and destroy us and possibly kill us if possible. And through all this, God wants us to be aware of his presence and his love for us and that that is enduring forever. This is why he gave Moses and the Ten Commandments. So that we wouldn't stray from him. So that we would last until this kingdom to come. This is why God gave us the temple and the Holy of Holies where his presence was said to dwell. To remind us that he is with us so that we won't stray. So that we'll stay with him. So that we'll follow him forever. This is why he gave us the prophets. To help us keep on track. To call us to repentance when we do stray so that we won't stray, so that we will last until this time and we can come into this beautiful city that God has for us in His kingdom. This is why Jesus wanted to become, be born of a virgin. He wanted to live with us, be among us, to be, in a sense, like us and experience what we experience, to be with us, to give us the life that He so desperately wants us to have. He wants us to have it and, and in that, we may find him. Jesus wanted for us to the point of death on a cross, which he went to willingly to die for you and me. Jesus wanted us not to stray, but to remember that God is with us. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and to keep us walking with him forever and ever. So that once we can be in this city and we can celebrate and we can live in our huts or do whatever it is that God has for us, but we can do it in an everlasting and truthful way. This picture that he gives us in more fullness, this unity with him that he shows us, this is where he is truly our temple. He's truly our light. He's truly our protection where all falseness will fade away and only truth will endure forever. This is what he has wanted all along for us. And this is what he'll give us. He wants intimacy with us to this extent. To the extent of sending his word, his sending his voice, sending his son, sending his spirit to dwell so that we might be sent into his kingdom forever and ever, enduring true life of his presence. I long for this. Jesus, may you come back today. I'm good with it. And I pray that we may long for this, that we may imagine that, that, that in imagining it, we can have hope because God wants to be with us. God will be with us. Let us be reminded today and continue to walk with him with hope. Let us not wander, but let us come to him. Let us pray that we might find him and, and be fulfilled by him that nothing unclean will ever enter his kingdom. So in, even in that, even in our uncleanliness, let us be washed by Jesus and let us find our fulfillment in him. I pray that we might have our imagination opened up. We might be able to see and live with the hope that this passage of scripture gives us, that we might be able to set aside time to imagine and give ourselves over to this living God here and now and Imagine what it might be like if he dwelt with us perfectly. We won't do this perfectly. It comes and fits and starts. 
But we can practice. We can imagine. We can let the dream that God has given us change us, shape us, mold our lives. And so I pray that this vision will change the way that we live. So Jesus, will you come? Will you allow us to dream? Will you allow us to imagine what this is like to live in your truth forever and ever? Will you allow this vision to change the way that we live? In Jesus' name, amen.